My name is James Marshall Lewis. I live at 1127 Ballerina Drive, Sims, Alabama. And this is my confession. If you're listening to this, I'm probably dead. Murdered by my podcasting partner, Matt Johnson. Matt has been building a Breaking Bad podcast for over three weeks now, using me as his co-host against my will. Shortly after July of this year, he forced me into using my knowledge of podcasting and my love of Breaking Bad into creating a weekly podcast, which he would then distribute over the internet, using connections that he made through his career with the OPP. I was astounded. I always thought that Matt was a very moral man, a man who would defraud an innkeeper maybe, but still very moral. I was particularly vulnerable myself at the time, having recently been diagnosed with small tendons. Something he knew and took advantage of. What? Oh God, he's here! Welcome to Breaking Built, the podcast where we dissect the chemistry of Breaking Bad. I'm Matt. And I am James. So, James, I have a major complaint about this latest episode of Breaking Bad. What is that? I'm running out of good things to say about it. <laughs> I I, there are so many words that you can use. I'm starting to have to look up at the, uh, use the, the source to look up definitions of good. That's how bad it's gotten. Uh, it's, it's the saga of television shows. I mean, what do you say? Yeah. Yeah, this episode... Um, Five eleven. I noticed we're the only so far of all the recaps that I've seen. We're the only ones who ever. We're, we're committed to the six, season six thing. We're calling it season six. Everyone knows it's like five eleven, you know, five ten, five nine. But we're six oh three. We started this once this train stops, James. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't stop. We keep going. That's our. Per, that's our own Breaking Bad character arc. We're just going on a one-way ticket to hell with this numbering scheme. Yeah, exactly. The numbers, as you said last week, the numbers are bad for our for, for us anyway. But um, yeah, this was episode, like I said, five eleven slash six oh three, confessions. And you know, I was very much surprised because when I saw the title of this episode, I was like, well. It seems kind of obvious where they're going to go because of where we were left the last episode with Hank coming into the interrogation room with Jesse. Uh, I figured a good chunk of this episode would be dealt for that scene in the interrogation room, but it's not even like three minutes, and then bam, they're gone. You know, they're moving on to other things. Yeah, I honestly expected this episode to be a bottle episode that was going to be all Jesse's interrogation. Yeah, but I guess... As much as uh, Jesse hates Walt, uh, he hates Hank even more so. 
Maybe not now, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, well, who knows? I know there's one thing that I've seen. I think that Hank, his theory that uh, Walt, he mentions how he thinks Walt did a number on Jesse proves true, but because it's something I noticed, we'll get that later. But yeah, this episode pretty much um, you take away like the cold opening, or we'll, we'll we'll talk about the cold opening right quick because it's the only thing that's not really related to the next forty forty five you know forty minutes of the show because. Uh, this is something that, like I said, it, it didn't fit with what was going on in the rest of the episode, but I think it had its place. It's setting up these characters. Uh, another recap I read and listen to, they, uh, they call Todd's uncles the uncles of anarchy. And, um, I think it's, uh, I think it's a, it's a fitting nickname for them. But yeah, we see them after having killed Declan and taking his methylamine. And, you know, it provides a little insight in these characters who we haven't seen much of. And, you know, surprise, surprise, they're scumbags. And we see the legend of Heisenberg spread a little more. Yeah, I noticed that, uh, yeah, Todd, in his story he told, he kind of left out, you know, the fact that he had to, he shot a kid in the face, you know. That conveniently was left out. And, uh, what else? Oh, yeah, and also there was the thing where, did you find it odd that he called Walt about this, about what they did with Declan? Yeah, it seems like they're not willing to accept the fact that Walt's left. They still consider him a part of the business, even though he doesn't want to be involved at the moment. Yeah, I also thought maybe it was Todd taking initiative uh, on his own, because it seems like while in the main story we see Jesse, who's you know sick and tired of Walt, he's disgusted by him, it seems like Todd... In a way, wants Walt's approval because that's the way yeah. that whole phone call seemed like to me. You know, so oh, I got I'm in charge of things now, so don't worry, it's all been taken care of. If you want to know about it, you know, call me. So, bitch. <laughs> and uh, let's see what else about that open. And of course, they like I said, they've got the methylamine. Uh, they casually talk about how you know this country's gone down, which. They're not, you know, they, they're neo-Nazis, so <laughs> of course they talk about stuff like that. And then they've got the methylamine, and they show them going back to New Mexico. So, like I said, that's setting up a, pretty much was probably going to be a very important piece later. Maybe, I don't know, we thought that Jesse's confession was going to be an important piece of this episode, and they just blew that all to hell. So, Damn you, Gilligan, and your twists and turns. <laughs> but I guess the... The, one of the two main reasons this episode is called Confessions uh, is Walt's confession, quote-unquote, to Hank, to Marie, to whoever happens to be watching that DVD. And I found it very fascinating, uh, his whole confession thing, just because, I don't know if you agree with me, but this seems like this move what Walt did is not something he would have done, say, two seasons ago when he was still working for Gus Fring. He no. wasn't smart enough to do something like this. Not smart enough and also not a piece of human shit enough <laughs> at that point. At this point, I think Walter White may be the most despicable character in the history of Western fiction. <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh... He's got a long way to go to top some of the people out there, but uh, it's Walter White and Comics Governor from Walking Dead. 
Um, but, but yeah, this, uh, but, well, before we get babyface, not only, you know, this whole move, but also using his, uh, cancer and the power play to manipulate Walt Jr., I thought was very much scumbag, you know? Walter Jr., who we finally see this season. Yeah, we only see, this is the first time we've seen him, and yeah, he's used just as Walter's pawn, pawn. No surprise there, I guess. But. I was half, being, half expecting a scene at the end of the series where, like, where's Walter Jr.? Oh, they killed him, like, three weeks <laughs> ago. You didn't notice? No! He put rice in his bacon and eggs. <laughs> he didn't see it coming. Undone by breakfast. How poetic. Yeah. <laughs> but this, uh, like I said, this, this confession that Walt gives, it pretty much, <clears throat> it wraps up, like, Hank in a nice, neat little bow almost. It... It, you know, he takes all this stuff that, like a lot of people have talked about, the theory that how Hank is way too close to Walt to, uh, to, you know, to investigate this case because of all the potential stinky calls. And not only that, but Walt takes it a step further and says, Hank's Heisenberg, not me. Which, as awful as it is, is kind of brilliant. Yeah. And it really makes you wonder if they've been planning this all along because everything fits. Yeah. Like, it's, I feel like, especially the medical bills, that to me seems like that's the, you know, that's the icing on the cake because you you can talk about all you want about speculation and stuff, but the money come from Walt and Skylar. There's no way to deny that. And also, I thought it was brilliant working in the stuff from last season, how he claimed. Hank and Marie kidnapped his kids and held them hostage for like three months. I was like, oh, my God, you know. But as, you know, amazing as Cranston is in that scene, uh, there's a cool shot, and I saw some people talk about recaps and stuff. The the close-up of the confession and stuff, you see the pixelation on the screen. and It's sort of the metaphor for, you know, how... This is a guy pretending to be a guy who's pretending to be someone else on TV while these other people who pretend to be people watch it. Just the whole, you know, the falseness of the whole confession and, you know, what's behind Walt, you know, how sort of these pixels and stuff, they're, they're representing a person who's not really a person who's masquerading as a person. I thought was, was interesting and, it's bad of course, session. yes. And like I said, it's awesome as, Cranston's acting is uh, kudos to once again Dean Norris and Betsy Brandt because they don't say a word in this you know in that video or while they watch the video but you can just see it all in, on their faces what they're thinking what they're going through as they watch it as it ticks by minute by minute you know yeah even though you know uh, Hank wouldn't do something like that there's still that moment where he finds out about the medical bills. And he just stares at Marie, or in the back of your head, you're like, is he going to do something? <laughs> I hope not. I don't think he would, but my God, that look. Yeah, and some people have said that I think the next time that we see Hank, um, he's back at the DEA office, and he sort of almost feels like he's checked out a little bit about what's going on in the DEA and he leaves early, and a lot of people are questioning exactly where he ends up going because that's the last we see of him with this, you know, this episode. So. There a split second where you thought he was going to be the one to pick up Jesse. Yeah, he's been running this side operation the whole time. <laughs> he is the guy in the minivan. Um, 
But yeah, before the confession, like I said, that confession was excellent. So was that uh, that scene at the dinner, the 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 dinner, not the dinner table, but at the Mexican restaurant, which you know has shades, all because of the waiter, but it has shades to the awkward family dinner from uh, the last season, where Jesse was having to try to break the ice. I thought it was yeah. I thought it was cool. Um, personally, I would like to try some of that that guacamole. It sounds like it'd be excellent. They make it at the table, James. I know. And it was that was not a scene I expected to happen either, where yeah. both parties just sit down and more or less lay everything on the table. I thought it was smart that I, I assume this was Hank or not Hank, but this was Walt's idea. But they met in a public place, so very but, dust spring of them. Yeah. And I also noticed in the scene, or especially through the early part of this, but uh, he the clothes he's wearing, he looks like <laughs> he looked like he looked like he was wearing a jacket that my my great grandfather used to wear, and he's very much like he looks like he's like he's wearing like a cashmere sweater and all this stuff. He looks very much milk toast kind of, you know. I thought that was kind of interesting because him and Skylar like their colors match and. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to look like I'm not one of those people who the show they look way too hard into the colors sometimes of what people are wearing. But I noticed I think both Walt and Skylar were matching up, and so were Hank and Maria. That scene, so sort of the whole united front kind of thing with the shirts. So they they color coordinate on this show. I want to see Dean Norris in purple. Yeah, and. During that during that scene, of course, there's the great line where Marie just says to Walt, "You know, kill yourself. This would just end the whole thing. If you go ahead and put matters in your hand, if everything dies with you, then just go ahead and take the initiative and kill yourself." Now, the thing everyone in the audience has been asking themselves like for about three seasons, like, "Walt, why don't you just kill yourself?" Yeah, which is kind of you know interesting. I saw some people react to where they thought. It was harsh, you know. Harsh. Have you not seen what this guy's done over the years? You know, he bombed, uh, you know, a retirement home. He's caused all these suffering and deaths. You know, he arranged the murder of twelve men in prison. I mean, he's not a good guy. How will you? Not, have you not gotten this yet? It is amazing that there are still people who don't get that Walt's a bad guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's just the whole thing of the. No, no matter who it is, you know, he's, he's the protagonist. Just because he's the protagonist doesn't mean he's a good guy. And, you know, people have been with this journey this long. There are people out there who want to see him get away with it because I think I didn't watch it, but I saw like a clip from the talk, the talking bad episode where Samuel Jackson made a good point that, you know, bad people get away with stuff all the time. You know, it's nothing, you know, people were 10 times worse than Walter White have, you know, walked away unharmed. A lot of stuff, but I don't know. I think that maybe be a little bit too depressing. All right. Speaking about this for just a second, since you brought it up, I did watch a few minutes of Talking Bad for the first time. Mm -hmm. Samuel L. Jackson was on the show dressed as Heisenberg. I saw that wearing a Heisenberg shirt. He had the sunglasses and the pork pie. Yes. And when talking about Walter White's character arc, said that. The turning moment for him was when Walt didn't turn home girl over. <laughs> very, very, very apropos, Samuel. But but uh, we were talking on that same line. We were talking last week about how 
a lot of fans seem to judge Skyler harshly and unfairly. Uh, what do you think of Skyler now that she's clearly thrown her lot in with Walt and is willing to do anything to avoid jail time? I I don't know. You know, I noticed in this episode, like this episode, she gave a very muted performance. I think that's sort of a side effect of the fallout from the last episode because we see that she's kind of distant and lost in thought. I, I wonder if it's if it's she's sort of seen like how far Walt's willing to go to stay out of prison and you know is that what it's going to cost them to get away with it? is it something she really wants to go through because up until like you know the whole stuff with uh with Benicky and the you know that's where she, you know they said she started to break bad blah 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 but she's really been for the first few seasons anyway the closest thing to a moral center like the show's had and it's just interesting to see her like you know now that she's uh, become corrupted and all this stuff. And maybe she's finally realizing, maybe she's realizing what Walt can't, that, you know, there's nothing to salvage here between them and him. And, you know, it's, what's, what's the point of trying to stay out of jail when it's going to cause so much destruction to their family? Well, that's interesting seeing Skylar's reaction to Marie telling Walt he should just kill himself when that was very close to what she said last season when she told yeah. Walt she was just waiting for the cancer to come back. That's but between what, then and now, she's like, well, that's my husband you're talking about. Stand by your man. But, yeah, so far, let's see, the track, Marie said, just kill yourself. A couple episodes ago, Hank said, will not you write, you son of a bitch. Last season, um, Skylar said she wanted the cancer to come back. A couple seasons ago, Walt Jr. just said, why don't you just give up and die to Walt? So, pretty supportive bunch this family is. <laughs> but then again, though, when the guy they're talking to is, you know, a dickhead who was runs meth, run, ran a meth empire because that's what he was trying to point out to Hank that, you know, all this stuff's supposed to be in the past, but, you know, it doesn't matter. It, it's, it's about what you, just because it's like saying, you know, oh, I killed three people. Last year, I'm not in the killing people business anymore, so it's all good, or at least that's that's the stance that I take when it comes to killing people. I, everything is in the past for Walt. It's been established yeah. at this point. Yeah, and there's also another line in the dinner scene where Hank uh, he says, you know, talking about killing himself. He's, Hank says, "You don't get off that easy," and the way he said it made me go, "Oh, you sound like Batman there just for a moment, Hank." <laughs> Who says he's not Batman? Yeah, but mineral man begins. <laughs> but like I said, pretty much everybody doing fine acting all around. Uh, and as we've talked about one confession, maybe we should talk about the big moment from this from this episode. Of course, that Saul's is Saul's confession. Yeah, Saul's confession slash Jesse's realization slash Saul getting in his ass beat. <laughs> and that that scene with Bob Odenkirk, not only that scene where Jesse comes in on him, and also the scene prior when he's setting up the arrangement, I had this just this knot in my stomach, like this tension. I was like, it, something doesn't feel right. Something is going to happen, and 
it, it made me worried about Better Call Saul spinoff because <laughs> that's what a lot of people have been saying that this is you know uh, a fake a fake out to get people thinking oh Saul's going to survive. I was thinking the exact same thing too. Like I wouldn't put it past them. And so yeah, to go along with the story, Jesse is you know after one of the most awkward hugs on TV I've seen. <laughs> The second most awkward hug I've seen this year, the second awkward hug I've seen this year, because there was an equally awkward hug on this season of Mad Men. But. No one hugs Don Draper. <laughs> but let's go back to that scene for a second, where we see Jesse say to Walt what he should have said four seasons ago. <laughs> Why the fuck do you always have to jerk me around? Can't you just yeah. talk to me? That was a very vindicating moment, even yeah. though it just... Ends with a Jesse doing what Walt wants anyway. And what did you think about Walt hugging him? Because you think this is Walt. Was he being genuine again, or is it just him playing mind games once again? Because you know he's like, "Why don't you tell me what I want?" You know, but and Walt just walks up to him and hugs him. Is he trying to convince Jesse that no, I'm being legit? You know, I really care about you. Or I mean, what, what did you think of that? I thought that. That was maybe a subtle mirror of the Walter Jr. scene, where it's Walter mm. with a son figure, like playing the dad card, and coming across as sincere, but really, he's just manipulating him to stay out of trouble. It was funny, we, me and my brother watched this, and he was, he was, he, he made a joke when they were hugging, like, Jesse starts crying, because he expected Walt to say, now Saul, he was going to shove Jesse towards Saul, and Saul was going to like shoot him in the back. I didn't sign up for this, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, like you said, Jesse uh, decides to take Walt's advice or threat or whatever you want to call it. And that card that's been on the table for a couple seasons now, the uh, the guy who can whisk you away and set you up with a new name, new identity, Saul finally, Saul finally calls him. And Jesse mentions something about Alaska. And that's when pretty much you knew this was – for me anyway, I knew this wasn't going to have a happy ending because he, you know, called back to Jane and all this stuff. And now there's something else that I, I discussed, you know, my brother discussed, was that Jesse's whole giant bag of pot, giant <laughs> bag of joints – do you think that was just something they pulled out of their ass? Because we've seen, I, I, I mentioned him. We saw, was it the first episode where, you know, he's smoking weed at Saul's office. That they made it a, a plot point of contention for, for Saul, you know, for him to be doing that. Yeah. But he didn't have like the giant sandwich bag. But he told me he felt like it was just them putting that there so they could have an excuse to get to it. But like I told him, how else are they gonna get to it? You know, at this point in the game, there's no way. The way they've they've sowed the seeds up, there's no way they can naturally have Jesse come to the conclusion that Walt pulled that move he did with Huell and, and Saul. Well, I thought, like you said, that's about as natural as they could do it. Yeah. And did you did you see? I, I noticed when, because to me it looked very awkward when like Jesse's leaving and Huell's like halfway blocking the door. And I, I looked and I saw, I could see, you know, the first time I watched it, I saw him whoop, do the little, he pulled it out of his, you know, out of Jesse's jacket pocket. I, I, I caught it. I didn't know if you caught it or or what when he did it. I didn't catch that whenever I watched it. But yeah. To be fair, everything with Huel is awkward. Yeah, that's true. 
but yeah, I caught I caught the little the little the quick move that he made, and they obviously set that up so that way you could see it, and they made it. I noticed they made it a lot more apparent than they did the episode from season four where he'll you know takes Jesse's cigarettes. They, like I said, they they wanted people to see it, and then of course when Jesse goes to look for his weed, it's not there, but a pack of cigarettes is, and so. In his mind, his mind finally puts the pieces together. And did you think Sherlock that was a, Holmes, that shit? Yeah, bitch, elementary bitch. But did you think that was a natural conclusion for him to make? Uh, I think it was probably it was something that has been staring him in the face for a very long time. I think it, I think it wasn't so much. Oh my God, he lifted my weed. That means I think it was more like something that's been gnawing at the back of his head. For a while, and that was just all the confirmation he needed, because he had already figured it out. Whenever he confronted Walt about it, but it was Walt's plea that convinced him otherwise. Exactly, he had all the pieces together just like it happened, and yeah, you know, like you said, Walt played him, and then I mean, at I this just... point, Walt knows. I mean, Jesse knows. Walt killed. Walt blew up a nursing home. Walt killed Mike. Walt didn't care when that little boy died. Yeah. Walt did everything he could to make sure that Jesse and that girl broke up so he wouldn't have to see that kid anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that conclusion mixed with the fact that, oh, you know, he lifted this weed out of my po- you know, pocket. If he can do that so easily, then you know, the, the pack of cigarettes would be a problem. And Yeah, like I said, I, I bought it personally. And so, so then, let's see, after... After the realization, you know, he goes back and beats the crap out of Saul. And now, that just, did that just feel wrong to you? Having Saul get beaten up? It's like, no, don't hit Saul. That's the weird thing. Even though Saul's a complete scumbag, there's just something about his role as the clown of the show that makes you like not want him to get hurt. It's like in season four where... Uh, Saul tries to back out of the whole thing, and then Walt gets up in his face and essentially threatens him. It just it feels wrong. Yeah, almost like a portrayal. Yeah, you don't do that, Saul, man. Who will Saul call when he goes to jail? That's the question. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, once again, some some great acting, Bob Odenkirk. You know, down on the floor begging for his life, essentially. And this is something that we haven't seen much of Saul before. Doing, doing, you know, he's not, he's not the begging type. Although he is a, a shyster, a hookster, call him what you will, but he just, he's not a man that that begs. I feel so, but he seems like a man who would beg if the moment came, and he did. And so whenever, said, whenever Saul said that he wouldn't have gone along with Walt's plan if he had known what he was going to do, did you believe that? I don't know. He. He wanted the ricin for something. Saul had to know that, but maybe he's maybe he's alluding to the the Brock angle. He would be fine with him like poisoning Gus or yeah. poisoning someone else, but he goes after a kid. It isn't you know that's uh, that's off limits, man. Maybe maybe that's what he was talking about. No women and no kids. That's Saul's code. <laughs> man, got to have a code. Um. And one thing also I noticed during that scene where he Jesse's confronting Saul at gunpoint, he still calls Walt Mr. White. You noticed that too. 
Yeah. He calls him an asshole, but he's still that asshole, Mr. White. Not Walter, not Walt. He's Mr. White. And that's what, you know, I was thinking about what Hank said earlier about how uh, Walt had done a number on Jesse. And that seemed like that was sort of proof right there. No matter how bad it gets, he still, you know, calls him Mr. White. He calls him Mr. White because he can't call him Dad. Oh, oh, that's so sad. But, uh, but yeah, after that, Jesse goes on the warpath, which I, I don't know. I feel like if I were him, the most logical choice would be going to Hank with, you know, finally you know, to testify. But it's not about logic, I guess. It's just about anger. Jesse knows nothing of logic. Yeah. But he goes to the White House and he starts throwing down gas, which it's cool and all, but I think sort of the flash forward kind of takes some of the impact off of it because in the flash forward we see that the White House is still standing. I mean, it may have like fire damage on the inside, but it's he doesn't burn it down like he wants to. We know that much. So it, like I said, that takes a little something from it. And But before that scene, we saw some great, I wouldn't say comedy, but like little small moments from Brian Cranston as Walt. There's that great scene where he pulls up and, and to the to the car wash, and he gets out running, and then all of a sudden he stops and, and collects himself. And I thought I thought that was very the way they were shot was very cool. It was almost like a split screen. Yeah. With you know Skylar going about her business while Walt is in this frantic you know, race to. Get it? Obviously, he's going to get his gun. It just make me wonder. Walt doesn't have other guns. Or did he just really so. want that cool frozen gun? I think that's the only gun he's got because we've never seen him buy another gun. Because there was that episode where he specifically went out and bought that thirty-eight from that guy. He's a very so, sloppy drug lord, then. Yeah. Gus Fring always had a piece. That, that's how. That's why Gus Fring got caught. One thing I thought was kind of weird is that even after all this, Skyler still doesn't seem to get that something's up. Yeah. Well, I wonder if, if once again, it's just her kind of, like I said, being kind of, because we saw earlier that she was off her game a little bit because she was, she wasn't really listening to Walt when he was talking. She seemed unfocused. So, I mean, it probably would be theoretically something that could slip by. She was astounded by that guy who gave her exact change. <laughs> As a former cashier, I can tell you that that never happens. I always try to pay with exact change, so you're welcome. Um, and one thing I was wondering, I looked it up later, but Walt's gun will hit fire, and you know, will it will he be able to use it if it's been covered in ice like that? Because, you know, it gets wet, and a lot of times the fire mechanism, if it gets wet and got certain guns, it'll they won't work. They'll be useless. But according to the Internet, the great, great, powerful Internet, it is – it means the gun will be – you know, once it dries off and stuff, it'll be perfectly fine. So, Yeah, never underestimate the wisdom of Internet gun nuts. Yeah, exactly. Just don't try to take your guns, their guns. You know that. But let's see. And so, like I said, the episode ends with Jesse throwing gas on the house, prepared to burn it down. Yeah, even though we know, like you said from the flash forward, that 
Jesse burning down the house is a hollow threat. The presence of Jesse in Walt's house in that state is very disturbing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see some notes that just some spare notes I jotted down. Oh, uh, there was a nice shot where at the end of uh, Walt's confession, we they cut right back to the desert, and one of the first things we see on on in the desert is that spider, and it felt like it was a callback to the spider that the little boy on the dirt bike had. That spider, of course, trapped in a glass jar, much in the same way. That Hank is sort of in a glass jar now, due to Walt. Everything is just collecting in that desert. Yeah. There's the uh, gas uh, mask, Walt's pants, that spider. <laughs> it's the desert, man. She goes down there. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, I come up with a name, nickname for Todd. Uh, Meth Damon. What do you think? <laughs> he looks, you, you squint your eyes, he looks like Matt Damon. On meth, yeah. Uh, let's see. Any other spare notes? I think that was it. Oh, uh, no, there's one. I'll get to that uh, in a minute. But is there anything else about the episode that's call, calling out to you that you can think of? Nothing at the moment, no. Okay. I think, I think, I think the same pretty much, you know, like I said, uh, we talked about this earlier, but the pace of the show keeps continuing and pretty much the cold open inside it it doesn't stop one bit it just keeps on beat after beat scene after scene ramping up the tension and all this stuff um so yeah once again like i said i'm running out of good stuff to say or words to use without repeating myself but but great acting, belt great. recommends breaking bad exactly um so without that i think I'll go to any theories that you may have, anything else that this episode, you know, as we've talked about theories and stuff, does this episode uh, give you any more new theories or does it provide any evidence to any previous theories you may have had? Uh, does make me very worried about Walter Jr., knowing that Jesse's in the state he's in. Yeah. Uh, we have no idea what happened to Walt's family after the flash forward. And with Jesse knowing that Walt could have killed Brock, and with him, I assume, eventually finding out that he helped kill Jane, uh, makes me worry if that Jesse may be uh, wanting retribution, and he might take that out on Walter Jr. and Skyler. Yeah. Uh, all I'm saying is Lily of the Valley spite bacon and eggs. That'll do it. <laughs> no, breakfast... True. That, that's what this show's been building towards since the first episode. The entire thing undone by breakfast. <laughs> Walt, Walt Jr.'s one ally has abandoned him. He merely adopted the breakfast. See, it's going to be like the Sopranos. Everything's fine. They're all just eating. <laughs> hey, Dad, I found that salt you had behind the, the <laughs> electrical outlet. No! <laughs> Don't stop believing, please. Walt, they all fall Walt opens the, the door. Cut to black. <laughs> um, excellent. Hopefully it'll, that's kind of ballsy, but I think they can pull it off. It'll definitely get the internet talking. That's for sure. Well, it's like Vince it's Gilligan, so he'll take it in a direction we don't expect and use Jukebox Hero. <laughs> 
Um, there was a interesting theory that uh, it come from the man who is seemingly responsible, single handedly responsible for crazy internet theories, and uh, Damon Lindelof, the showrunner of Lost, of course, you know. We mentioned last week the hatch, the numbers, blah, 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 all that good stuff. He said that, I think it was either on Twitter or his blog, but he noticed that during the scene in the desert, Walt leans against Saul's, the back of Saul's uh, car, and, you know, Saul's license plate, lawyer up, uh, the hilariously uh, custom license plate. And when Walt leans against it, the L is blocked. So instead of lawyer up, it says wire up. So he thinks that's foreshadowing that someone, probably Jesse, more likely is gonna, you know, uh, wear wire and try to trap Walt. Is what Damon Lindelof has said. Maybe it's foreshadowing that Saul's been an informant this entire time. He's Commissioner Goodman. Yeah, but that would break – come on, James. That would break lawyer, uh, client privilege, and also it would be entrapment. Come on. Know, know, your, know your legal stuff, James. That's Commissioner sloppy. Goodman doesn't care about the law. He doesn't work for the law. The law works for him. I am the law, Saul Goodman. Judge Saul Goodman. He sounds like a judge with a name like that. He does. Saul McGill doesn't, doesn't, do, doesn't do it. Judge uh, Saul. Um, I'm trying to think. Let's see. I think that's about it that I can add to it. Same way with you. Yeah. Okay. You've gotten everything from me. Left me a hollow husk of a Breaking Bad fan. Yes. Just the way I like it. So yeah, I guess without further ado, we'll go ahead and wrap this episode up. You've been listening to Breaking Belt, the podcast where we dissect the chemistry of Breaking Bad. So, stay out of our territory at least for another week. Little